Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. There we are, warping in, as they say. G'day, welcome aboard the TARDIS Zero G. <laughs> I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And today's episode is entitled Wits on First, as in Whittaker. And our podcast title is Santa Pod. Wow. Doctor Who. <laughs> oh. The ABC is currently screening season 13 of Doctor Who, featuring Jodie Whittaker playing what used to be the 13th regeneration of the Doctor mm-hmm. before they recently retconned even more incarnations of the iconic character. So <laughs> we don't know where we are now. <laughs> so we're over halfway through the six episodes that began with a Halloween episode. And after these six, there will be three other specials in 2022. Which will be showrunner Chris Chibnall's and Whitaker's final stint at the console of the TARDIS. So it's like that old mantra of three seasons as a doctor and then out. Yeah. Several of the other doctors have cleaved to that advice, which was given by one of the earlier doctors. <laughs> now, Jodie's companions, more or less, for her final season in the role include regular time traveller Yaz. <laughs> played by Mandip Gill, and newcomer Liverpool Dan, as I like to call him. <laughs> I guess we could call this a Liverpodlian cast episode. Yeah. <laughs> and he's played by John Bishop. Now, both humans are from contemporary Earth, and there's also another guy who's rollicking around the TARDIS at the moment, Vindar. He's a non-Terran humanoid who manned a deep space watch post that was overrun by the big bad of the story arc, the Flux. Anyway, (laughs) Finder is played by Jacob Basil Anderson, and he's an English actor and musician. And guess where we have seen him before? I'm going to say either Game of Thrones, (laughs) Harry Potter. Yeah, one of those. You got it the first time with Game of Thrones. There you go. Played the character of the Grey Worm in Game of Thrones. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's also been in Broadchurch too. So, you know, Jodie Whittaker. Mm. He's also been cast in the AMC TV series Interview with the Vampire as Louis de Pont du Lac. Oh, I didn't know they would. Doing that, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, get his, I'm sure he's thankful for that casting. Now, some of the episodes that I've seen so far, we've already talked about the Halloween Apocalypse one. That was the the big wibbly wobbly first episode, which threw so many concepts at us that anyone who wasn't marinated in Doctor Who might have difficulty keeping up. <laughs> Fortunately, that is my particular. Mm-hmm. cuisine and so it wasn't a problem i did actually have to focus quite intently upon it i thought it was a, a strong episode if a little bit enigmatic but you know it is doctor who with a question mark mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know the second episode war of the sontarans now that was more of a 
meat and three veg story, mm-hmm. very straight down the timeline, more or less. And as the title says, the Sontarans feature. These are the little potato-headed, gnome-like right. homicidal maniacs who <laughs> have populated Doctor Who for a very long time uh, in all sorts of different episodes. In fact, they even tried to invade time at one stage, crashing in on the Time Lord's home planet of Gallifrey. Now, this War of the Sontarans is actually set in an alternate timeline in mm-hmm. the Crimea, so we're in the 19th century. Okay. Russia does not exist. Uh, USSR. Well, it's the Sontar Empire on Earth. And what's happened is this flux has been uh, crossing through space and time and the Sontarans have been following behind it and they use it as an opportunity. Okay. So it's actually quite interesting. It's They're not the big bads, but they're just following in the wake of this thing. Mm. So they're trying to take over Earth in all space and time. So they've actually created these alternate timelines using their temporal command, which (laughs) Dan rather amusingly gets confused with the word tempura. So he says (laughs) they've got this fixation with Japanese food. (laughs) You know, they've got a tempura command. (laughs) And the doctor says, could it be temporal, Dan, as in time? Oh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> oh, i got to love it. So many accents in the TARDIS at the moment. <laughs> this story had some great aspects to it. They brought in a character called Mary Seacole, mm-hmm. who was a British Jamaican nurse and businesswoman, and she set up this uh, thing called the British Hotel behind the lines during the Crimean War. Mm-hmm. And so basically it was um, a bit like a hotel where you could go and get a meal if you're British. I don't think they let the Russians in or the Sontarans. And also it could be a bit of a, a convalescent right. place for people to recover from the, the war. Now, this is separate to Florence Nightingale and her thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she is a, is a famous historical character, Sarah Powell. British actress played this particular character. She's been in Judge John Deed, Doctors, a lot of other British shows like Silent Witness, you know, ones that you'll be very familiar with. (laughs) And, of course, in that other ubiquitous British show, that institution or that institutionalised show, Midsummer Murders. Got it. Yeah, a classic. We also saw Dan Starkey appear once again. It's always hard to tell. If it's him under the Sontaran makeup, of course, he <laughs> plays uh, Strax in the other Doctor Who series. And we've got Jonathan Watson being another Sontaran in there, rather an important one as well. And they're great. They, you know, it's like the, the lead Sontaran, the, the commanding general, he made the decision to jump into the Crimea because he thought mm. it would be fun for one thing because, you know, what Sontaran doesn't like a bit of dismal war? But also because he wanted to ride a horse. <laughs> so classic. <laughs> now, speaking of the animal kingdom, Craig Ells played Carvanista. Now, that was the, the dog alien, the canine. You mentioned, yes, we've seen many a cat alien, but here we have mm. a canine alien friend. Okay. Mm. And Craig Ells actually is born in Liverpool. I've seen him actually before in, I don't know if you've seen this show, called The Midwife. Oh, yeah, yeah. My mum loves that show. <laughs> and maybe you've seen this one, Ripper Street. No, that, no, one? that sounds of ah, interest, though. Is yeah, that it's a- actually 
It's a crime procedural. Uh, there you go. Yeah, it, it's right right down your dark alley. It is. <laughs> Lots of horror and murder in that one. He um, also was in uh, Coronation Street. So that's the sort of show like Doctor Who and mm-hmm. Midsummer mm-hmm. Murders. Yeah. Everybody's been through that one too. And he is actually really good at playing the the canine alien. And they're actually bonded to particular humans, like, Aww. you know, they're – faithful companion and he's been lumbered with Dan. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a very difficult problem for him. So anyway, there's a really strong mix in the Sontaran War story Mm -hmm. and it's now one of the all-time classic Sontaran stories and there have been quite a few in Doctor Who and it it calls back to the other ones quite neatly too. So, you know, I'm happy, fan service. (laughs) That particular episode, I thought they really managed to capture the doctor, get her spirit of being able to just come up with ad hoc solutions on the spot. Mm, Her MacGyver instinct. Yeah, and there's this moment where she faces off against the the Sontaran general and says, right, let's be Avenue, you know, and it's just this is the sort of stuff that makes the doctor work for me as a character. And and it really feels like Jodie Whittaker's stepped up and taken this role and made Mm. it her own. Like all of the other Doctors, I should say. The other episode I want to talk about is written out once, comma, upon time. Okay. And this is the third episode. It's written by Chris Chibnall and directed by Azhur Salim. And this one we get to see Joe Martin appear again as the fugitive Doctor, Mm -hmm. which is all to the good. And she is just got this great presence on screen wherever she appears, even in sort of like a cameo sort of moment. We also have a, an actor called Craig Parkinson, who I've seen before in that superhero British show, uh, Misfits. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. A good one. And he was playing a character called Sean, who was yet another one of the probation officers who was looking after the group of superheroes. Mm-hmm. All of the probation officers disappear or get killed, you know, so Sean was no exception to that. <laughs> he plays the character of the Grand Serpent, who is Vindar's boss, basically. It's a bit more to it than that, but he's great in that. He's got this really sort of slight decadence. He's a little bit like Empire in foundation got a little bit that sort of that sort okay. of fierce menace going on yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he's just trying to be a bit more diplomatic than empire but he has that same sort of hidden agenda running yeah under right. a little bit sinister a little bit yeah, yeah okay yeah, another a good performance by Craig Parkinson there. We've also got Sam Sproul playing Swarm, and he's been in Hurt Locker and Defiance and what else have I seen him in? K-19, The Widowmaker. And he's also played the Cray Twins, huh. you know, those bastions of British real crime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, of course, if you get do that, you end up playing both of them. So I also saw him in Snow White and the Huntsman. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was Charlize Theron's character's brother. And he has been in the, the Luther series as well. And he's got a great presence in this show, helped immensely by the costuming. He's like this lanky spiv <laughs> from the, the old days of British crime. He actually he leans backwards into his costume. He's got sharp shoulders uh, yeah. and he just sort of slouches into the scene. And oh, He's very scary, actually. He is playing opposite a character called Azua, played by Roshenda Sandal, and we've seen her before in Line of Duty. 
and another show called uh, Deceit. And she reminds me a little bit of just about any of Tim Burton's leading ladies. Oh, okay. All right. That kind of vibe. Yeah. She's got that sort of strangeness to her that is, again, actually quite sinister and frightening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And these are kind of giving you the humanoid presence of the flux. So it's necessary to do that because otherwise it's just this big space cloud. Yeah, you, you know, need so. something to kind of focus on as the threat. Mm. Mm. And I was, again, watching this particular episode absolutely riveted. My partner, Gail, was sitting there too, and we were both just leaning forward trying to take it all in and concentrating on it fiercely. Mm. It was a really complicated story because in this one, the doctor and her companions hide within themselves, that is to say their past avatars. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, and it's a great way to actually get some backstory on the characters. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is how you give yourself a bit of exposition without actually stopping the plot. And I thought that was a, a grand way to do it. It, um, it. it was really sophisticated and you could, if you blinked, and you're advised never to blink during an episode of Doctor Who that has the weeping angels around, but you could miss some of the subtleties of it. And I really do intend to go back and watch that one again. Mm-hmm. Now, I know these are controversial episodes and not everybody likes Chris Chibnall's writing, but that is what it is. Yeah. I'm I'm up for this particular one. I think they're actually hitting some straps here. Okay. Mm. The what? next episode, uh, the, well, the other episode I, I don't really want to talk about yet because I know that some people won't have seen it. Uh, some people are behind, some people, sure. you know. Because yeah. got, because it's screening on the ABC, but you've got it on video catch-up. Yeah, exactly. We don't want to sort of get too far ahead while we do want to mention each episode. What yeah. are your hopes for, given this is going to be Jodie Whittaker's last season, Chibnall's last season, do you have any particular hopes of story threads you want them to wrap up or things you might want to see more of before they kind of send her incarnation off into the sunset? Well, Look, because they've uncapped the the bottle on this fugitive doctor, Mm. a retcon, Mm -hmm. I don't know how far down you can go that particular rabbit hole in the the episodes they've got remaining. Yeah. It does appear like they're leaning into it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they're Mm -hmm. not not resiling from that. I mean, this is, it was a massive change in Doctor Who and, you know, it sort of echoed on through the space time continuum and the Mm -hmm. fandom is, the fandom is shaky all over and, you know, being a little bit devilish, I kind of like that. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, it's, when you have a real died in the wool fandom like Doctor Who fandom, it can be kind of nice to do something different and get people, oh, oh, kind of excited again or angry again, but you're stirring up emotions, you know, starting a conversation. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I can say that as someone who sits outside the fandom because I appreciate Doctor Who for sure, but I wouldn't say I'm, you know, I don't really keep up. But so it is interesting from the sideline to watch the uh, controversy, quote, unquote, unfold with every decision. (laughs) And there's a lot of that. You know, I personally have enjoyed these three episodes of Doctor Who or Mm -hmm. four episodes if you include the, uh, the Weeping Angel one. Look, I do kind of feel there is a bit of let's parade the favorite monsters yeah you know so but i don't mind that it's doctor who it's like like reading a long-running comic strip in a newspaper with a familiar cast of characters and you do want to see these ones come back 
Yeah. You know how you do this in your average television show where you've got like, I don't know, 10 seasons or so on, and in that final season they bring back characters who've appeared, yeah. you know, like Cheers yeah. or Friends, any of those ones. Absolutely. You you do the fan service at certain times because the fans are what keeps the show going and that's kind of why you make the show as well. So I think it is nice to push the envelope sometimes but also to do what fans want another time within, you know, your own creative boundaries. Of course, the funny thing is that you get to do it multiple times in Doctor Who. I bet. Yeah, well, this is it. It's new and different every time, so... Yeah. In fact, some of the previous doctors, they've gone on these little tours. Yeah, yeah. Around past companions and obviously monsters that they run into just in those final days before they regenerate. I feel like that is the joy of having such a long running series that you can get creative and and really, you know, they've earned the right to do that, I think. I believe so. All right. So, you know, you can catch up with it on the ABC at various times and also mm-hmm. on their iView on demand stream. So, look, we'll go with a track from Segan Akinola, the Jodie Whittaker era composer. Mm. And we will have a track called Time Lords, which I thought was a really whimsical and yet bittersweet track. Hello, this is Peter Davison. I played the Fifth Doctor. You're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R FM. Interesting. This thing is smaller on the inside than it is on the outside. Sorry, mustache. It is indeed. And that was Time Lords by Segan Akinola, which is from the Doctor Who Season 12 OST, the soundtrack album. And speaking of Whovian sounds, Peter Capaldi has an album out now. It's called St. Christopher. Haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but you can be sure that I will, and Mm -hmm. we'll give you some of those tracks. I mean, if we can do William Shatner. We can definitely do Capaldi. Interested. Mm. Mm. All right. Now, moving along to a sad bit of news, Dean Stockwell, which is to say Robert Dean Stockwell, has died, uh, born on March the 5th, 1936, passed away on November the 7th this year. U.S.-American actor on film, TV, and the stage, a 70-year career. That's What a, a legacy. Long run. Yeah. And he died in New Mexico at the age of 85. I think he'd had a a stroke earlier on and had uh, retired from acting Mm. as a result of that. Now, this is an actor who I've seen around in so many different things, it's actually hard to put my finger upon what my favourite performance of his was. But, you know, look, the iconic one that everybody knows was the Quantum Leap series. Yes. Where he played opposite Scott Bakula, lost in space-time essentially, but he's kind of jumping into, hence the Quantum Leap, into the characters of other people in the past. And he could become anyone really. He could become another man or a woman or even an animal in some cases. That's right, yeah. It's a beloved show. Mm-hmm. and really made Scott Bakula's career. Of course, he went on to become the captain of the Enterprise in the uh, titular fe- series of that name. Now, Stockwell played his offsider. He was an admiral, basically, who was sort of in charge of the project. Mm-hmm. And so he was like the anchor point for Bakula's character, and they had a device that he could manifest through whenever mm-hmm. you know, Bakula was doing these sort of jaunts. And... 
the actor himself, well, he came from a family of entertainers. So, you know, all of them, vaudeville, singers, that kind of thing. So, obviously, he was tapped with the dancing (laughs) gene and ended up doing all sorts of things. As a child actor is where I think I first saw him in a film called The Boy with Green Hair, and that's a 1948 film. Okay. It's a fantasy drama, and in that film, which also had uh, Robert O'Brien, Pat O'Brien, and Barbara Hale, it's actually um, an anti-war story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Highly unusual, and it is really a fantasy film because his hair goes green, as the title indicates, mm-hmm. and he has a rather difficult time. And to see Stockwell in that as this really green young actor, he's great. Mm. It, it's an incredible performance, and you're watching and thinking, "Wow, he's destined to go places." And of course, he did. He also appeared in an, an adaptation of Rudyard Kipling's Kim in 1950 mm-hmm. and has been in quite a few different movies along the way. But I feel like he's more known for his television career. Yeah, you know, sure. Things like Alfred Hitchcock Presents, mm-hmm. uh, The Twilight Zone, The Alfred Hitchcock Hour. Mm-hmm. That's a different show again. And On Wagon Train as well. Oh, gosh, all of those shows that I remember from my childhood. <laughs> I've seen him in, I remember when I was a kid, I watched um, The Langoliers. He was in that, and that kind of haunts me to this day. Uh, and he was also in one of my favourite Vim Vendors films, Paris, Texas, which I've not seen for a super long time. But, yeah, another great classic as well. So he's got quite the back catalogue of films. It might be a nice reason to revisit some of these, I think, like Blue Velvet and Married to the mob and stuff like that. And, of course, 1970s, the Dunwich Horror, Mm. Lovecraftian supernatural horror film, and that has (laughs) echoed on down through the years. It's not a really great film, but, you know, it's – well, let's just say Roger Corman was an executive producer on it. So (laughs) another one that he was in is uh, Dennis Hopper's The Last Movie in 1971. Mm -hmm. And I actually felt that was – another highlight of his career, even if that movie itself is fairly controversial. But, you know, all sorts of other shows and uh, and movies as well. And one which you may know in particular, Dune, mm-hmm. <laughs> 1984, and the David Lynch one. Yeah. Now we get to talk about more than one version of Dune, as well as a television series. And he was um, playing the Sook Doctor Yui. Ah. But, yes, he played one of the pivotal characters uh, in the June kind of plot development and things. So, yeah, I didn't realise he was in that. Interesting. If you were a fan of police procedural back in the day, you would have seen him in the streets of San Francisco, Columbo, Ellery Queen mm-hmm. and McLeod. And, you know, so if there was a crime being committed, he was either there putting a stop to it or, indeed, putting a start to it, <laughs> depending on what he was in. So, yeah, now a film I saw him in was Human Highway, and that was that 1982 film directed by Stockwell and Neil Young. Oh. And it's it's kind of a science fiction film and mm-hmm. kind of a fantasy film and a bit surreal. Okay. If you ever get a chance to watch it, go for it, The Human Highway. Mm-hmm. And Neil Young was using his pseudonym of Bernard Shakey, which doesn't apply to the film itself, but it had Dennis Hopper in it too, as well as Devo. 
So it's a, it's a hell of a film. All right, let's have a bit of a, a track here now. Mike Post's theme to Quantum Leap, which will be well known to listeners of a certain age, or indeed if you've just happened to like those sorts of compilation albums of science fiction movie and television themes. But this actually comes from a Quantum Leap album. So this is a bit of an extended riff on that. Mike Post, of course, was one of the iconic composers from particular era of television, you know, Hill Street Blues and so on. But here he's doing Quantum Leap. Hi there, I'm Don Mates, science fiction and fantasy artist and illustrator. You're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R FM, and it's a great show. But hey, what do I know? I'm only here to paint the walls and the ceiling. Hey, Rob, was that Nightmare Blue or Goblin Green? Well, it was a boy with the green hair, actually. Well, mm-hmm. Quantum Leap, lots of mic posts there, wasn't it? <laughs> that kind of TV instrumental theme with like the brass and then the keys, that really, that's nostalgia right there. <laughs> Five seasons of Quantum Leap in the late 80s, early 90s, and created by Donald P. Belisario. You can tell that, can't you? That's just a, that's mm. almost like ticking all the boxes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we're here doing a bit of an in-memoriam for the late, and I believe great actor, Dean Stockwell, mm. who obviously was one of the, the co-stars of Quantum Leap alongside Scott Bakula, and other things we should mention as well. Look, I couldn't name him if I saw him. He's definitely been in some great films. I think there's a Venn diagram of films you study as part of a film theory degree and Dean Stockwell films because things like Blue Velvet, Paris, Texas, like I mentioned before, and also The Player are all movies I definitely studied as part of my university degree. And, yeah, just a lot of great roles. I think he takes on some interesting stuff. Well, he also seemed to be playing naval officers quite a bit. (laughs) Like his Quantum Leap character, Rear Admiral Albert L. Kalavicki in Quantum Leap, and he was also um, one of JAG's naval secretaries. okay. You know, so all that kind of thing. And he was in um, Battlestar Galactica, the new one, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. playing Brother Cavill. And, of course, he did the the science fiction convention circuit and – when he stopped doing acting, he went off to focus on sculpture and other visual art. Cool. So, yeah. But Aww. we also know him from being a voice in Batman Beyond Return of the Joker in the 2000s and um, Buffalo Soldiers in 2001 and that remake of The Manchurian Candidate Aww. from 2004. He did get to reunite with Scott Bakula, in particular in a Star Trek Enterprise episode, which Aww. I think was. That's great. Sweet. So he, he was never actually off the screen in science fiction, really. Stargate, SG-1. Yeah. Oh, so much stuff. What a long so, and interesting career. Yeah. Uh, Dean Stockwell, no longer with us but forever with us in the medium of television and film. And I, I think we'll just cap that with a piece of music from that Quantum Leap album. And it's actually a kind of a rap and it's the Alphabet Song Rap, and it does also feature Dean Stockwell uh, and Velton Ray Bunch from the Quantum Leap OST. So they actually had a lot of fun doing this soundtrack album. So they even got Scott Bakula to do a, a medley of songs from Man of La Mancha, which we've played before. Yes. Hi, this is Scott Bakula. Welcome aboard Zero G. 
Yeah, farewell to actor Dean Stockwell there with the alphabet song rap from the Quantum Leap soundtrack <laughs> album, Velton Ray Bunch and Dean Stockwell himself there. <laughs> uh, good on you, Al. I hope you can steer Sam Beckett back home again forever. All right, now we have some fairly interesting news from the Marvel and the yeah. Disney and the Star Wars universe. Yes. Well, it's from Camp Disney. And, of course, we know these days Disney also encapsulates Marvel and Star Wars as well as many other things, uh, including their own Star Network, National Geographic and Pixar and their own Disney properties, of course. So recently they had their first Disney Plus Day. Now, this was a special event that was held on November 12th to mark the two-year anniversary of the Disney Plus streaming service. So Rob and I have covered multiple different things on that service, especially as Marvel lovers as well. A lot of the Marvel shows, well, the Marvel shows are all on there. So it was really interesting. They dropped a lot of news about upcoming content, some little teaser footage and so on. So it was very exciting and also, you know, gave us a lot to look forward to as well. So I'm going to cover a couple of the things that were released on as part of Disney Plus Day. So they did also release some content onto the platform. So that includes Shang-Chi, which we've talked about before, and Jungle Cruise, which is kind of a Disney family movie starring The Rock and Emily Blunt, two of my faves. I think they're both great comedy actors. And so I'm actually kind of interested in watching that one. It looks a bit fun. But most interesting, of course, uh, to Zero-G, I think, and worth a mention is in the Star Wars camp. Let's visit that one first. They've released online for streaming Under the Helmet, The Legacy of Boba Fett, which is a documentary on the cultural influence and history of Boba Fett. So you can jump online and stream that now. Also important was they teased a little bit more about the Obi-Wan Kenobi series that they're going to be doing. So we don't actually get a trailer, unfortunately, but it is coming next year and they released a bunch of concept art, which looks amazing and right on the money. And if we go by the success of The Mandalorian and looking at that concept art was amazing. And so if we hold the high hopes that this show is also going to deliver and continue the good work that The Mandalorian started in setting up a bit of a TV Star Wars universe. My hopes are pretty high for that. All right, not heaps in the Star Wars camp, so let's head over to Marvel where most of the things of interest are because they've got a lot going on. So we know they have a lot going on in the cinema, of course. Uh, We've got a couple of things on the horizon, but talking through a little bit about the special that they released. So Disney Plus, there's two specials that you can still stream on there. There's the Marvel-focused one and a Pixel-focused one. The Marvel one's about 15 minutes. So you can jump online and view all of the stuff that we're going to talk about now. It does recap the Marvel TV series that have been released so far. So there's footage from Loki, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision and What If. And so there's spoilers in there. So if you have haven't watched any of those I'd maybe skip ahead to the time code I think is about 11 minutes to see some of the new content so just letting you know that recaps all of the great Marvel TV we've seen and really reminded me of the I mean we've loved all the Marvel stuff right Rob like all the TV series has been solid thumbs up on all accounts and so it also gives us a good intro look 
at Hawkeye, which has mm. just dropped. So it is out now on Disney Plus. And this special also gave a little bit of it was kind of teasing it because when the special came out, it had, hadn't dropped yet. So very much about the rapport between Jeremy Renner's Clint and Kahaley Steinfeld's Kate. And I think there's going to be a lot of arrow shooting fun and hijinks. And it looks like a pretty action, fast paced, but definitely a lighter energy series. Is there room for two television shows about expert archers? <laughs> you know, and I can't wait to see how they resolve the Yelena aspect of that, the Soviet Black Widow program, the Red Room graduate who's mm. now gunning for Hawkeye because she thinks that he killed Natasha. Of course. I wonder, mm. I mean, that would be the dream to have some a little bit of uh, crossover happening, a bit of Florence Pugh on the small screen, but who's to say, but anything could happen. So I'm pretty keen. Um, I, I know Rob will cover Hawkeye at some point in a future show, I'm sure, because I think we've both been pretty keen on that. And you know I'm a big Clint Barton tragic. Yeah. <laughs> He's a fave. I love Hawkeye, um, and I have since the very early days. So, all right, that's everything that's kind of out now. And then, of course, we do get some more footage of some upcoming TV series that is on the Marvel pipeline. So the first one we get a look at is Moon Knight. The TV Moon Knight is starring Oscar Isaac, solid favourite, I think a really wonderful choice. I don't know if I've seen him in anything like this before. So it'll be interesting. Uh, of course, he's in the upcoming June film and has done quite a quite a long and lovely um, filmography. I'm a big fan of his work. It also stars Ethan Hawke. So while Isaac is playing the titular Moon Knight, Ethan Hawke is playing the villain of the piece. I don't think that's a spoiler. He's playing a character who's inspired by the cult leader David Koresh, Hope that pronunciation is. I mean, who cares? Actually, if I pronounce your name wrong, you were a cult leader who led the Waco siege. So you know, and it the, the vibe of the show looks pretty moody and serious from the footage we got to see. Disney's logline for the show is the multiple identities who live inside him. Moon Knight, find themselves thrust into a deadly war of the gods against the backdrop of modern and ancient Egypt. And, of course, Moon Knight is one of the several Marvel, let's call them alter egos of <laughs> a certain Cape Crusader from the DC universe. Yes. And I think it's quite interesting that they've clearly – I mean, this is a serious premise, really. I mean, the character's struggling with a, a serious kind of disorder. And so, the similarly, I think the tone of the show is quite dark and it looks like Oscar Isaac, the shots of him, he looks very tortured and so on. And he's got mm. a very interesting accent. Northern England kind of vibe. So moving on from that, we move very quickly into some fun footage of She-Hulk. So we see a bit of Tatiana Maslany's version of Jennifer Walters, who is also She-Hulk. This seems to be more of a comedy-leaning show, and we also see an appearance of Mark Ruffalo as Hulk. So I don't think that is a spoiler in any way, and I'm hoping there'll be some fun um, kind of buddy-buddy duo elements of those cousins kind of helping each other out, him showing her the way, her finding her feet as She-Hulk that kind of fun origin story stuff that's going to be a little less navel-gazy and a little more fun car-flipping action. Well, She-Hulk always was a fourth-wall-breaking character, 
actually. She used to break a lot of walls. And the other thing about it is that it's a law procedural show. See, this is the thing. I was wondering how how much of that they're going to incorporate because I am ready for a legal procedural superhero crossover show. So I really, really, really hope we get plenty of that. So fingers crossed for that. And the last one that we saw a decent amount of footage for was, of course, Ms. Marvel, which I remember Robbie really enjoyed the comic incarnation, the kind of reboot incarnation of Ms. Marvel they did semi-recently. So Aman Vellani is playing Kamala Khan. So Kamala is a Muslim Pakistani-American character, so she's Ms. Marvel, and it's another excellent move toward greater representation in the Marvel Universe and uh, in superhero stories in general. So I think we see a little bit of a coming-of-age piece from her. She's 16 in the show and a bit about her finding her feet as Ms. Marvel, and I think obviously they're going to take a good kind of – uh, inclusion of cultural elements and so on. So I think that one will be a really good one as well. And I think those three as kind of their key things they're pushing forward with all have a very different tone and focus, much like the three they led with this time, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Loki were all very different beasts. Okay, deep breath. Let's move into the final... <laughs> discussion of some of the other logo reveals and little snippets of things that we saw as part of the Marvel Disney Plus Day promo packet. All right, so jump in at any time, Rob, if you want to talk about any of these a bit more. So we get a bunch of logo slates pretty much that's just meant to get us excited about everything they're working on. So this includes the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, so that's one uh, helmed by James Gunn, who we've loved uh, his the Guardians of the Galaxy movies that he's um, directed, and it's going to be, I hope, quite a bit of fun. And then we've also got Echo, which is going to be kind of an offshoot of Hawkeye, so a character that's going to be introduced as part of that show, sort kind of offshoots to get her own situation. Uh, so that's going to be Maya Lopez. And it's a very – Significant show that's got fans wondering because it's a, a character who's connected to Kingpin Ooh. in the Daredevil universe. So people are wondering if. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it time you know, to bring in those other Marvel yeah. shows, bring them back into the fold, welcome them back into the family? Well, I'd be very interested to see. Mm. Also, we've got I Am Groot. So that one is the coming of age and a bit of a Groot story. I mean, what more can you say? I think that one's going to be very cute. All we do is review that. We'll just review it and we'll just say, I am Groot. (laughs) For 20 minutes. (laughs) So, yes, that one as well. And then we also have Ironheart. So I thought this one might be one that you know a bit about. It's um, documents Riri Williams, played by Dominique Thorne, and now she's a genius in the realm of a kind of Tony Stark figure who also is interested in the making of armour and uh, carries on a bit of a legacy that, that Iron Man started. Is that fair to say? I don't know much about her at all. No, nope, that's it, got it in one. Uh, she is her own person, though, so mm-hmm. she, is mm-hmm. not, she is not just a female Tony Stark. She's many other things besides that, uh, a lot of representation as an African-American character mm-hmm. and a young woman of colour. So a lot of interesting things playing into the mix there. And she can be part of the Iron Legion as well, like, you know, there's a War Machine series and so on. Yes, yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, I think that is 
that's pretty exciting, actually. So you did mention um, the uh, Armor Wars. So Armor Wars is going to be the series that has Don Cheadle reprise his role as um, War Machine and also includes Sam, the return of Sam Rockwell as Justin Hammer. Interested, intrigued, not sure how that'll go, but we'll see. Um, so maybe he's just maybe he's just got a dance on role. Look, I wouldn't complain. I think Rockwell's dancing him. I want to see dance off Sam Rockwell and Tom Hiddleston. Let's go. <laughs> and Star Lord. Oh yes, true, true, true. <laughs> so moving on from kind of our armor situation, we've also got Spider Man freshman year. So look, it's another Spider Man. <laughs> thing uh it's another origin story for peter parker this one's an animated series but it is teased to be different from what we've already seen so not sure what to expect there but maybe it's going to be something aimed at a younger audience who's to say it's kind of tricky that one because they're setting it in the mcu continuity Mm -hmm. so set before spider-man is contacted by tony stark so it's kind of before he's actually doing heroing in the mcu complicated Maybe that's it. Maybe it's just going to be, who knows? So it be interesting to see how that one comes to fruition. I'll whip through kind of the last couple. We've definitely got this one is going to be much anticipated. Fan fave Agatha from WandaVision gets her own series, very well-deserved uh, Agatha House of Harkness, and Catherine Hahn will reprise her role as Agatha, which I'm very happy about because I love that actress and she's great as Agatha. Also, we've got Marvel Zombies, so that's an, another animated one, and it's going to be a reimagined Marvel Universe but revolves more around the need to fight zombie hordes. So is that that's something we've seen in the comics, yeah? Oh, yeah. There's a massive uh, Kirkman Walking Dead-led <laughs> back catalogue of Marvel Zombies comics, but they're also riffing off the recent episode of Marvel's What If where they ah, did that course. scenario. Yep, yep. And then we've got Secret Invasion. So this is an out-of-this-world Nick Fury series uh, starring Sam Jackson, of course, and we get some great early images of him in Secret Invasion and his look. And he's going to be playing his iconic role again, and we've got the return of Ben Mendelsohn as Talos, his character that was introduced in Captain Marvel. And we've got the addition of Amelia Clark and Olivia Coleman fantastic talent addition there. So mm. I think that's almost it. We've also got um, the revival of the 1990s X-Men animated series as X-Men 97. So that one will be coming out in a couple of years as well. And then Ooh. we also – That's going to – yeah. This is that, where it begins, right? The That series – well, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of other Marvel shows and animated series I've, since the 1960s and so on. That one, actually going back to World War II, come to the because it was a Captain American serial. But um, that one in particular introduced so many fans to the Marvel yeah. Universe on television. And it's actually some really good episodes and great music and lots of lots of uh, pouches <laughs> and <laughs> costumes. The well, 90s is back. And I also think if they can make the yellow spandex work, I'm excited. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Ron Wasserman's iconic theme from the equally beloved 1990s X-Men animated series, now given a sequel according to the Disney Plus Day teasers that we've been talking about here today on Zero G. 
Uh, that's probably the last of the kind of newish things. And then they've also confirmed the What If Season 2 and Loki Season 2, which we knew had also been renewed. No word on any of the others, but I think we've got plenty to look forward to in that long list. Some coming sooner than others, of course, but uh, plenty of good Marvel stuff. And I would say, too, a, a wide range of different characters and I love the representation in this list as well including female helm shows and a bit of cultural representation as well I mean there's a bit of a way to go but I'm excited about it mm. and of course we got two Spideyverse movies coming up too exactly so we're gonna be oh. in our, up to our necks in Marvel for a while mm. too many symbiotes I reckon anyway <laughs> That's about it for Zero G for today. And I thought we might cater to Megan here mm. by having a song by Jeremy Renner. <gasps> and <laughs> maybe you won't be after this. <laughs> Actually, it's not bad. It's pretty good. I oh, no. <laughs> as, no, no, no. As celebrity singers go, he's pretty damn good. Okay. And this is his cover of House of the Rising Sun. Oh. <laughs> and it is actually a single as well. And, you know, I think he does a pretty good job on this. Now, that's it for Zero G for today. Uh, thank you to Kayla Larson, our podcaster, and Joe Brunatic coming up next with Astral Glamour. Until next week, never tell someone they should hate something that they love. Never tell someone that they should love something that they hate. These are words to live by for reviewers. And never get involved in a sand war on Arrakis. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for Zero G. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.